재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 This is Koreascape on TBS EFM 101.3 MHz in Seoul and surrounding areas. We like to keep our finger on the pulse of Korean culture. That's why this next thing is called Culture Pulse. It's just us listening very carefully to what Koreans are saying to each other on mainstream or on social media, kind of capturing the buzz of the country. We do it twice a week on Thursdays. Natasha Saw is here. Hello, Natasha. Good morning, Kat. Good morning. So um, I think this discussion has been going on uh, for some time. Every time Korea uh, puts up some new kind of monolith, uh, there mm-hmm. are massive sculptures, especially lately, being erected in Seoul, and I think people have some mixed feelings about them. Right. So, monolith. (laughs) The Seoul city government spent around $600,000 over the past year erecting large sculptures around the city, and netizens are divided on whether we're seeing the birth of new landmark sculptures akin to the, say, love sculpture in New York and the thumb sculpture in Paris, or whether we're just simply witnessing tax money go down the drain. First in January last year, a five-ton sculpture of the monstrous creature from the 2006 hit movie The Host was unveiled at Yeoido Hangang Park. I did not know that. You did, have, have you seen, seen the movie? Uh, well, I've seen the movie. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've got to go see the statue now. I haven't seen it either. I've only seen it through photos uh-huh. and um, articles. Okay, that's my but, next walk. Yeah. Tell me about it. So it stands three meters tall and ten meters long, so it's a massive thing. It's mm. quite an impressive sight, and apparently if you walk towards it, it makes a roaring sound, like a monster sound. Okay, well, mm-hmm. let's, we'll have a few heart attacks uh, coming out of that, I think. Apparently babies get quite scared and they start crying. Mm-hmm. So the sculpture it was part of Seoul City Government's move to create landmarks along the Han River through storytelling and cost roughly $150,000 to construct. Now, the storytelling part here is, of, is of course, is that in the Bong joon film, the monster was created as a result of toxic chemicals being dumped into the Han River. So it's just a, a bit of a reminder of all the toxic chemicals that are in the Han River. It's a, it's a, it's a symbol <laughs> of what can happen uh, what if could we... hypothetically happen, yes. Yes, pollute. I guess the idea behind this, this statue, a culture-derived statue, is to attract the tourists to come and take their photo in front of it and, and just uh, get that Hallyu spirit. There's uh, also... Just recently in front of Coex, that um, Gangnam style statue. Yeah. So it's a bronze sculpture, this one. It's fashioned after the famous cross hand dance movement from the singer Sai's Gangnam style. Mm. That one was unveiled last month. Uh, for this one, the Seoul City government forked out around $350,000. Whoa. Yeah. It stands five meters tall, and they're just hoping to make it the landmark of Gangnam as you mentioned, to act as a tourist attraction for generations to come. And just in case you haven't seen this, this is literally two uh, disembodied forearms crossed mm-hmm. over each other in at that the little... Wrist. At the wrist. Kind of like a Sai doing his little horsey dance with yeah. the crossed over wrists. That's right. And just in case you were too obtuse to recognize that, it has Gangnam style written down. All <laughs> right. And we're th- I, I think we may actually throw up a couple of links or a couple of photos of these statues as we go along. Um... I don't know. Natasha, just, you know, in terms of your opinion, do you think that our great-great-grandchildren uh, will still be talking about Gangnam Style? I mean, I think so. I mean, it might serve to be the starting point of the big Hollywood phenomenon. I mean, obvi- obviously there have been K-dramas and K-movies in the past, but maybe it will be the first of many K-pop 
to yeah, when, really... When I think of bronze statues, I think of, you know, great moments in history, the Iwo yeah. Jima statue or things mm-hmm. like that. You know, I don't think of Sai, you know, like, hey, sexy lady kind of <laughs> stuff. What are people, ordinary people here in Korea saying about that? Well, it was a mixed bag of responses. So first, let's go through some comments from people who thought the money could have been better spent elsewhere. If you didn't know the Balchum horse dance from the Gangnam style, you might think the hand sculpture represented the shackled hands of a prisoner. That is totally true. It would have been better to plant more trees with that money. Mm. And the sculptures are ugly and embarrassing. But there were supportive comments as well. I think it's too early to call them a failure. I'm sure many now famous landmark sculptures in other countries had a lot of naysayers in the beginning as well. I don't understand all the negativity. The film The Host and Gangnam Style, even though we might be sick of hearing about them now, are something to be proud of as Koreans. I can picture these statues as being part of an all-around Hallyu theme Mm -hmm. statue park. But I don't know, just out there in the middle of a public thing as if it were a statue of one of Korea's forefathers. (laughs) I don't put... You know, Gangnam style horsey hands on the same level as uh, King Sejong and uh, right, Yisun right. Shen. I don't mm-hmm. think anybody does. All right, so topic number two. Apparently, uh, the government wishes to enforce a Hangul only policy, meaning let's stop using those outdated Chinese characters, things like that. Uh, so the story is that government they enacted a Hangul only policy 11 years ago, mm. and now uh, pro hunter advocates they're saying. Oh, that is unconstitutional. They say it's, so they're challenging the constitutionality of right. Hangul only. Okay. So a public hearing will be held this afternoon at around 2 p.m. Um, and it happened because, as I said, pro-hunter advocates, they filed a petition four years ago calling the policy unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. So let's have a look at the policy. It's called the Framework Act on Korean Language. It was instituted in 2005 and it bans the mixed use of Korea's indigenous Hangul and Chinese hunter characters on official documents and school textbooks. Mm. Now, according to one of the main pro-hunter civic groups, the Korean Language Policy Normalization Promotion Association, the 11-year-old Hangaloni policy has led to a decline in the general public's ability to fully appreciate the Korean language and that it deprives citizens of their right to learn and express themselves in the Hunter script. From my position in the peanut gallery, I see it as sort of a shame that um, all of this wonderful uh, Chinese characters that are so much a part of Korean history are being kind of smoothed over, and people are almost culturally in aggregate forgetting them. But then again, I'm not the one that has to learn 10,000 Chinese characters (laughs) to read a newspaper or something. Is the government trying to stay neutral in this, or, or what? Well, so the ministry in charge, it's the Ministry of Culture, Sports and Tourism. They handle the country's language policies. They said that Hanja is not Korean in the strictest sense, regardless of how intricately it's intertwined in the Korean language. It also emphasized that it's not trying to eradicate Hanja out of existence, but that it's merely doing its rightful duty of promoting the nation's unique writing system, adding that there have been no real penalties for the mixed use of Hangul and Hanja characters in textbooks. Expat learners of Korean who have reached an advanced level, just FYI, they say um, there's no chance of becoming advanced in Korean unless you start digging into Hanja and what all of these similar-sounding syllables in Korean have as a Chinese root. So right. I think uh, that may be true for Korean natives as well. What are people saying about the Hangul-only policy? 
Okay. In the past, Koreans, Chinese, and Japanese could read each other's newspapers and get a general idea of the article. Now, Korea's left out. One disadvantage is that Koreans are disconnected from a trove of writings from the past, not just historical texts, but even as recently as 20 to 30 years ago. Meanwhile, on the other end of the opinion spectrum, by the same logic then, English should become a part of the Korean official script. Everyone uses English-derived words nowadays. And finally, in our family, we even change the tombstone inscriptions into Hangul. It's much easier for the young ones in the family to know whose grave it is. When Hangul is enough to get the full meaning across, I don't understand why we need to use mixed scripts. Interesting. Probably mm-hmm. splits along generational lines, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> and final topic today, we've heard a bunch of this in connection with the recent uh, Teacher's Day and family holidays and so on. Uh, goes back to what we were talking about uh, just a moment ago in real-life Korean mm-hmm. in terms of gift-giving uh, culture to teachers. There's this uh, Kim Yongnan Pop, which is a, a law about gift giving. What's going on with it? Right. So, the enactment ordinance for the controversial Kim Yongnan Pop was announced on Monday, and some are wondering how it'll affect domestic consumption. So, first, a little recap on the law. It was named after the former Supreme Court justice that headed an anti corruption panel. So, it's an anti graft bill which sets the ceiling for the value of gifts that public officials, journalists, and school faculty can receive. Mm. The ceiling for meals is 30,000 won per person, gifts, 50,000 won, and money for congratulations and condolences, 100,000 won. Now, this bill was passed by the National Assembly in March of last year and comes into effect at the end of this September. So Chuseok won't be affected this time around, but sales of gift sets from next Lunar New Year are expected to take a hard hit. When I was back when I was working for the U.S. federal government, they would give us training every six months that said you don't take anything more than 10 bucks. Oh, Man on or so. Right, uh, right. Nothing worth, you, you know. Uh, it's not worth it your job. It will be viewed. Eat, don't even give the impression that you're corrupt. Right. Um, but a lot of those big, huge uh, spam boxes and things like that <laughs> that you give out for Tuzhok, those have to cost more than all man on, right? Yeah, the spam sets and sort of uh, manufactured goods are probably a, l- a bit cheaper uh-huh. than fruits or yes. beef. Yeah, so according to a recent Yonap News article, only 5% of holiday gift sets sold at department stores are under this 50,001 threshold. So one consequence we might see is the introduction of smaller gift sets. Instead of a box of a dozen perfectly round apples, we might see a set of just two or three. But meeting the 50,000 won limit might be harder for beef and fish products. The vast majority of existing sets range between 100,000 and 1 million won. So the only solution looks to be packaging them in small volume, something under one kilogram per set. All right. So what are people saying about this whole idea? Well, one of the most popular responses was... The law is about preventing bribery and illegal kickbacks. If you argue that stock and fruit farmers are going to be hard hit by this law, does this imply that all fruit and Korean beef gift sets in the past were used for corruption? That comment was liked over 6,000 times. Mm -hmm. And a similar sentiment? So what, we should set higher bribe ceilings just to boost domestic consumption? What nonsense. And finally, since when did the Korean economy rely so heavily on the practice of bribery. 
I think that's a question for a long afternoon seminar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Natasha, that'll wrap up today's Culture Pulse. Thanks very much for coming in. Thank you for having me. And Korea Escape resumes right after this. Oh, no, it doesn't. Wait a second. <laughs> I'm so sorry.